So there's, there's a thesis approach, which is the discovery approach and that you're talking about. And then there's the outcome, which is a very Stephen Covey, a principle, you know, begin with the end in, in mind. And, and so I look at these things and I say, okay, like many of my books are from a bunch of experiences I've had over a period of years. And I go, okay, I'm going to consolidate these and figure out what the nuggets are, not just one of the things I think people are doing, they're writing books and they're just writing books based on other people's stuff. And it's not really anything new. Here's what's new about a book. Reality is most information is the same in all these different books. The difference is the author and the experiences and the perspective. So I go into it and I say, okay, let me share my experiences. It's the same thing when you're speaking from stage. Nobody wants to hear a bunch of stuff they can look up on Wikipedia. What they want is they want a connection with the speaker. So you're really sharing part of your, your humanity. So I just, the, the idea is, is to bring information to people in a format that they can actually get into, not just memorize. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers. I have a special guest here today. It is someone who has actually opened more companies than I have, and so I'm really, really excited to dive into this with, uh, with Damian Lupo. Uh, Damien owns and runs a main company called EQRP uh, that we're going to dive into. He's written 12 different books on personal finance, investment, and retirement planning. He hosts the Financial Underdogs podcast, has owned more than 50 companies, right? And is also the founder of his own martial art, Yokido, among a bunch of other things that we'll dive into. But uh, I want to say welcome to the show, Damien. Hey, Cody. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Cool. Well, hey, listen, I'm excited. Um, I kind of like to come out of the gate a little quick sometimes. And so by owning 50 different companies, what was the worst one you started? <laughs> the worst one I started, uh, what it's probably, the worst? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny because the worst one was probably the one that made me the $20 million that I ended up losing because it was, it was me thinking that it was just me and I was that smart, but I was that young and naive and dumb. And so success is not a good teacher. Failure is a wonderful teacher. And so when making all that money, I thought I was brilliant. I caught some really good timing and I took a lot of action. But the worst company was the one because it, you know, it, until it became the best one when it failed. Yeah. And that's really interesting to say because most people are just looking for the, the one that's going to make them the millions or make them the decamillionaire or whatever. And the problem is you, you don't learn hardly anything. It's like on, in school, you really learn when you get that red marker on your paper. You're like, oh, and then you pay attention. You those things stick with you. The stuff that you remembered overnight, and then you put on a on a piece of paper the next day and got an A. Probably never going to remember that stuff. So it was the it was the big failures that that were the best ones. You know, that's a uh, I love that perspective because um, I had a similar story in 08, 09. As a lot of people that I talk to now that are high, you know, kind of have rebuilt things. A lot of people went through that same thing. It's like they were kind of on a big path, and then it just got swept out, right? And then um, 
but I, I find that the word resiliency um, is is a is a wonderful tracker for future success, right? I haven't met anybody who's kind of not had that uh, knock in the head. You know, I tell people I thought I was on a rocket in those times, and I was really a bottle rocket. You know, because when it popped, it wasn't really any fun, and I was way out there. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's that is one of the key things. I mean, our, our avatar for our organization, our culture, is the honey badger. And the honey badger represents four things, being fearless, committed, decisive, and resilient. So it's, if you can really embrace those four things, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you can be resilient, but if you're not decisive, you're just screwed because you're just going to be paralyzed and you can be committed. But if, if you're only committed to things that are safe, you're in trouble. So that those four pieces of being a honey badger is why the honey badger is the most fearless kind of crazy animal in the world. And it's, and I think embracing those things as an entrepreneur is pretty much required. I would say he also has the funniest YouTube clip of any animal I've ever seen. So that's a fact, Jack. I mean, it is unbelievable. I've watched that thing. Every time I watch it, I'm just crying. Laughing. I can't stop laughing. Every time I see it, I never ever think I'm like, this is not going to be funny this time. And it just randomly pops <laughs> up and I'm like, I just die. Um, <laughs> but, um, and so what was that business that you built that, that went on, that took off that, that got you to a $20 million? Uh, was that a revenue figure? Is that, um, you know, is that a balance sheet? What is that? That, yeah, the 20 million was the asset that was my asset base with my real estate company. I, I bought 150 houses and I turned those into, sold those things off, made a ton of money in 04 and 05, millions and millions in cash, and then rolled into other projects and started building those. And then in 08, like many people, you know, it's funny people, when I wrote the book Reinvented Life in 2012, I was doing some book presentations and people would come up and they'd say, man, I thought I was the only one. And I, I was like, me too. So if you, you find out that people are in this thing together, that we're not isolated on the island. Unfortunately, we, we are being taught that we are or being pushed in that direction. And it's really breaking us apart. But the reality is we're all, we're all humans. I, there's a quote, and I forget what the number is. It's like 97% of our, our genes are, we have the same genes, DNA as a banana or a frog or something. And humans, we're almost identical. We have different perspectives, but you know, we're, we are in this together and failing you realize, oh, you know what? It's a, it's part of a collective growth process with a lot of other people. And so I just, I went out there and, and, and pushed it into a place that I didn't know, but because I had been so successful making all this money, I thought I knew and I could just go right into the next thing that was 10 times bigger and, and it was 10 times bigger to blow up. So my yeah. bottle rocket exploded. It was like the 4th of July in my head. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I found there was about a year there where, you know, I, I did the woe is me thing, which is totally not in my personality type. And, um, uh, it, it, when I decided to say, okay, look, what am I, you know, actually it's probably about six months. And my wife was looking at me and we were sitting out in our condo in foreclosure, looking at the ocean. And, uh, she said, what are we going to do? <laughs> I was like, the only thing I know how to do, man, let's just, just we'll just, go do it. You know, let's go. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. You know what I mean? But we're going to start now and we're going to start doing something like, cause at least we're going to be doing something. We're going to be making a uh, positive yardage. Right. And so I found that about six months after that, I'd, I'd gotten a job. I, we moved across the state and everything. But when I was kind of open about talking about my situation, I kind of found for one, I was in a much worse situation than most of the people that thought they were in bad situations. But it also was like a, uh, it was a bonding type of thing, right? And so I found that like, the more I talked about it, the more people were kind of encouraged to ask me questions of what I was going to do and how I was going to fix it so that they could, they could start to have like a, almost a relief. Like I felt so much better. And so that was kind of when I started 
thinking about names for money talkers that just popped in my head because the people that I talked to about money, they felt more like a connection to me and, and, and they were able to kind of ask questions and you can tell that they had been asking these questions in their head for a really long time. And to break that down, that taboo of, you know, we can't discuss these things with each other. It, it, it just, everyone gets better when you do. It, it, we, we do. I mean, it's, we're not meant to be cut off and isolated in our heads. I had a conversation this morning with my mastermind and one of the, I, I said something about writing out your eulogy so you can get a really interesting perspective on why you're doing what you're doing. And, and this, one of the guys said, yeah, I've done that in my head. And I said, it doesn't count. I said, until it gets out. And the best thing to do is get it on paper. Mm-hmm. And another best is to go and talk with people about it. I mean, I love the, the paper thing when you put stuff down. It's one of the reasons I write books. If you actually want to understand how much you don't know, write a book about what you think you know about. And you realize how little you know, and you're kind of an idiot. And then you have to go study, and then it clarifies your thinking, and you actually become more of an authority, and the confidence builds. But it doesn't happen in your head. It happens because you physically, physiologically do something. And that's where people, they stay in their head because it's safe. They don't want to tell people because they don't want to be exposed. But reality is, you're right, it bonds you. It bonds you when you, when you share, when you're vulnerable, when you're open, when you start clarifying things and sharing it, you inspire people. And it, it, all sorts of magic happens because there's there's providence in, in this commitment to, to putting something out there versus just hiding it. Yeah, I love that uh, there was a lot in that. And I want to um, pull part of that back out where you were, you know, talking about writing the books and having that solidify and clarify things for you. Because, you know, I, I had a neuroscientist on, she said we have 70,000 thoughts a day and something like six to 8,000 are food. Um, but you know, the, the idea of keeping things in there and thinking that, well, I thought about it, so I've kind of accomplished something you really haven't. And, you know, Stephen Covey has a big principle about, and then seven habits, highly successful people about if you learn something, it's your duty to go teach it because the second that you teach it, it solidifies it because you have to have a, you have to have a mastery or an understanding of it. Right. And so hopefully through money talkers, if you go to talk to your kids about something, right, then you have to have some sort of mastery of it in your head and it's going to solidify it because you can't be, it's very difficult to be a hypocrite in that situation. Right. And so I think you kind of, you touched on something there about because you've written 12 books. Right. And so you've kind of touched on something where like you are solidifying it even more being the fact that you're putting it on paper so that even though your words, you may be able to go teach it, you're putting it in black and white for forever. And I imagine that has to even do it even, that's a one step above that. It's a great concept. I never thought of it that way. It, it's part, and part of it, it's for me too. And we, when you talk yeah. about having a podcast and you get to learn from other people and it's sometimes, and I have my podcast and I learn from other people and I love that. Part of why I write is so that I can put my books in front of me and, and quite frankly, it allows my team to go, didn't you write about this like four years ago? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I did. And, and so we learn from that. It's a baseline for our structure, our, our infrastructure. And, so, and whether it's how you like Unicornomics that I wrote last year and published last year is about the foundational 15% for business. And it was based on 50 plus companies that, that I've launched and run. And, and one of the things that you said, it's, you know, you, I do believe in teaching things. The problem I have with a lot of people is they read a book and then they go teach it. And I'm like, yeah, but you haven't lived it yet. So all you are is a parrot. And I have a, I have a huge problem with the institutions of education where you have people that haven't actually done anything that are teaching it, like people that are teaching business that have never started a business. They've literally been a professor studying economics, and then all of a sudden they're supposed to know something about business. 
Like I, you know, I, I look at every person that's ever taught me anything about economics or business from high school to college, and they're, they're, they're all basically broke. How do they have the right or the authority to teach because they have credentials behind their name, but they don't have the experience? To me, the experience is where you have the credentials, and it's then from that perspective that the teaching gets really juicy. You know, I also find that like the influencer crowd that does a lot of that stuff and they're, uh, you know, they're like, they never fail. I'm like, it, it's it, a good story. It, it's great. It makes great, great pictures. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, um, the idea that, you know, that, that you can go and be an authority, I think is different than bringing back the mastery of a concept. Right. And so I agree with you that, you know, I, I have, I have never had my banker ask for my report card. Right. And that's like a, a Robert Kiyosaki thing, you know, that sticks with me. And it's always been that way. Like I have learned, I didn't, I don't know anything about business from anybody other than the things that I went out and ran my head into. Right. And I ran into brick walls and I found ways that didn't work. And um, I think that that's why I like resiliency is a word for successful people that have been able to draw these things up because you can't be resilient without some failure. I, I don't think you understand what resiliency is unless you fail. It's, you know, it's, it's the idea that we, we don't want to have our heart broken. We want to just have love. But how do you know what love is if you haven't had your heart broken to have the contrast? And I think that people are missing it because they're afraid of pain. It's because, quite frankly, most of society has turned into a bunch of snowflakes, like just people that are really, they're soft. And everybody gets a participation trophy and all these nonsensical concepts that don't really work. I'm all for co cooperation. I'm just not for this idea that everybody's a winner, no matter what they do. I think what you do actually does matter and, and how much you push it. And I think failing, falling on your face, coming in last, not finishing, they're all valuable lessons. And when you take those away from kids, especially, you're really screwing them up because the real world doesn't work like, hey, everybody's a winner. Like what, I mean, kumbaya is fun and everything over a campfire, but I think we've really brainwashed people into thinking something that's true is not. I mean, it really isn't true the way that we're, we're being taught now, especially with the kids. I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't hate losing as much as I do. Exactly. Right. Nothing made me practice harder. Nothing made me try to figure something out more than either someone beating me at something or someone telling me I can't do something. Right. And that's, and, and, and I, it, it, I completely agree with that, that you have to have that contrast. It's almost like when I went, when I went to college, my mom said to me, you know, um, she said, you're going to find out what you don't like. And I'm like, what? You know, and it's kind of like what you just mentioned, like love, like how would you know you're in love if you don't know the things that you don't love, right? And so you're going to find the things that you don't like, and that's how you're going to discover who you are. And I was like, you know, I'm 18. I'm like, what? You know, like, what are you talking about? And it's all these things that came up later in my life. You know, after she passed away, I didn't get to go back and tell her like, hey, all this stuff really made a lot of sense. Like you're the only one that can make yourself happy, right? So, <laughs> and so, uh, as you're doing these and you're, and you're getting into these subjects in the books, like how do you determine what you're going to write about? And do you go into it with an end result from the book or is it a discovery mode? So there's, there's a thesis approach, which is the discovery approach and that you're talking about. And then there's the outcome, which is a very Stephen Covey principle, you begin with the end in, in mind. And, and so I look at these things and I say, okay, like many of my books are from a bunch of experiences I've had over a period of years. And I go, okay, I'm going to consolidate these and figure out what the nuggets are. Not just one of the things I think people are doing, they're writing books and they're just writing books based on other people's stuff. And it's not really anything new, 
here's what's new about a book. Reality is most information is the same in all these different books. The difference is the author and the experiences and the perspective. So I go into it and I say, okay, let me share my experiences. It's the same thing when you're speaking from stage. Nobody wants to hear a bunch of stuff they can look up on Wikipedia. What they want is they want a connection with the speaker. So you're really sharing part of your, your humanity. So I just, the, the idea is, is to bring information to people in a format that they can actually get into, not just memorize. Like that is the opposite. So it's really being an open book, literally on what, <laughs> what, what my experience there. has been. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it's, that's the perspective. It's going in and saying, okay, I want to share my experience with gold and silver or with retirement accounts. And, and I'm going to give you a whole bunch of information and tactical things that you can do. And, it's, and then stories about how people are applying them and how I've used things. So it's, it's really, it's, it's Harry Potter meets Webster's Dictionary in a way. Like there's, we're meshing facts and stories and making sure people get a lot out of it and they're emotionally engaged in the, in the experience as well. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's a, uh, there's a lot more in that connection piece because I think that there aren't a lot of new financial concepts. I mean, there are some that come up and there's strategies and things, but like, you know, the same basic principles are there. And it's how do you get someone to connect to it? Right? Because they and you know, what's really kind of crazy too, especially in personal finance, is that they probably already know the principles, right? Like, <laughs> you kind of you kind of already do like, don't spend more than you make. Like, it's not mind blowing, you know, but again, uh, it's, it's when will you connect enough to say, okay, well, it's time for me to make a decision or take a tactic and move and take action, right? I mean, that that's really what it is. And, and it's, I, I forget the number, it's gone vertical. Everybody's launching a book. Everybody's an Amazon bestseller, literally because there are like Chandler Bolt. I don't know if he did more to serve humanity or break our, confuse us around books because now anybody that wants to be an author can, and there's a lot of junk that's going out there. And one of the things that I just, I philosophically disagree with, I think it's a stupid concept is having a recording and then just transcribing it and making it a book. It's almost the most impossible book to read on planet earth because it doesn't make any sense. Podcasts are fun to listen to. They're horrible to read. That's my experience. So I think that there's, I think there's, it's like the information out there. There's, we're just drowning in information and we're starving for wisdom. Wisdom is when somebody gets into a book and spends, they spend months or years, not a weekend building it. It's like they really build something that's meant to last. It's like, you know, good to great and built to last. Good titles for Jim Collins' books, built to last. Is your book built to last or is it a weekend thing? You're trying to become a bestseller and nobody's actually going to ever buy it for 10 bucks. They will only buy it for 99 cents because you begged them to. Like it's, I think we have to really ask ourselves, what's the purpose of what we're doing? Like you asked me, what am I doing? Is it discovery or is, is there another thing? I do it because I want to take information and be able to convey it to somebody that is interested. So people ask me about these different subjects, whether it's a meltdown and how did you get, come back? How do you start businesses? How do you invest in retirement? And what I think is the most valuable thing, it's like what Robert Kiyosaki taught at his seminars years ago. It's about creating artifacts. So he built his cash flow game for people, and that's an artifact for humanity forever. Books are the same thing. You build something. And if you're going to build an artifact forever, I would think you'd have enough pride. I, I feel like this, that you want it to be beautiful. You don't want it to be a piece of crap. And so that's I think there's a huge open space for beautiful creations, not perfect creations. I'm talking beauty and beauty is truth. And so when you put truth out there, I think it really does impact people in a different way than just a load of information or regurgitated vomit. I, I personally feel one of the biggest determining factors in one's life success and however you want to define that 
whatever you want to achieve is your ability to determine who to take your information from. Because I believe that advice will be given to you from any single person out there that you ask, right? And who you determine to take that advice from has massive differences on the outcome and the way you see the world. That, that is a fact. And everybody wants to give their opinion. I mean, if you, everybody. If you, want, to engage, if you want to engage somebody, say, I need an expert opinion. Who doesn't want to, I mean, you're, you're just stroking ego right there. <laughs> if somebody ever asks you for an expert opinion, put your guard up because they want something like it's <laughs> maybe not, but usually that's the case. It's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a funny marketing thing and it's a, it's an interesting way to get a hold of people because we all do have expertise in something. Yeah. Um, everybody, everybody's tend- got their, their zone of genius, you know? Well, yeah, but hopefully then, everybody's got, most everybody's got a zone of genius. But. but you know, it's funny. People, people go, well, I know about this, but if you ask me my expert opinion about something I don't really know about, I don't want to be, I don't want to look stupid. So most people will just open their mouth. I, I tend to say, look, I don't know, or I just keep my mouth shut. And part of that is the martial arts training where you, you assess environments and you're, you're looking for threats and it's, it's what people do that are trained in, you know, covert um, activities you want to make sure you understand your environment before you jump in. Most people don't even, it's like my whole idea of two ears and one mouth, you, two ears, because you should be listening and, and paying attention, two eyes, one mouth, like watch and listen. And, and oftentimes you're, everybody's better off because you didn't say anything. And then there are times <laughs> when you're supposed to say something and it's, and everybody's better off. But I think people take it, they, they have to be a participant and it's, it's just soothing ego. Ego is your friend or your worst enemy. It's really yeah. what you do with it. Yeah, that's really, that's really a humbling thought that like, you could be better off because I didn't talk, <laughs> you know, just thinking about yeah. that, like that, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that because I got thick skin. It's just really funny to kind of think about and like, like, whew, the world's better off because I didn't talk like, oh, yeah, that's humbling. Um, <laughs> but so let's talk about something where uh, this is your zone of genius, right? So let's talk about what you do with eqrp.co. Right. I will kind of explain, first of all, where those initials come from. And then second of all, what you do with that, as, uh, as you kind of mentioned offline, that's your, that's kind of your main, like core business, right? Yeah, it, it, it's, I would say it's the main point, because it's a place where people are, can all, they, they all come to a place where they all understand, I need to get my retirement square. Like, I, I don't want to wake up one day at 60 or 70. And I, I have friends that I knew when they were 40. And now they're 60 and they're like, damn it. It's really obvious. They did not think that they would get to 60 and have a money problem, but they do. And so it's, it's a way for me to focus on something that matters to everybody. I don't think there's anybody that says, well, maybe in California. If you're in California, I apologize, but there's a lot of woo out there. People go, it'll all work itself out. And I'm like, man, you just watched The Secret too many times because it doesn't fall out of the sky and hit you in the head. Like you got to go create it. So, so I, years ago, I, I was just watching a lot of people, including myself, going down a bad path. My parents retired broke and they bought into a system. They were, they kind of got conned into a system and they put all, all their money with wall street. And it, it really bothered me to watch them and other people wake up at 60, 65 years old and not really have choices. That was the biggest thing. Money is just choices. It's energy. It gives you, you create value and then you have more choices. If you don't have any money, it's like people that say one of the dumbest things ever, Cody, they'll say, Oh, money doesn't matter to me. And I'm like, yeah, oxygen doesn't matter either. But put your, put, you know, put your head under the water and see if you don't care about oxygen. See how long it takes. Same thing with money. Get rid of, rid of all of it. See how long it takes until you get hungry, until you get cold. And, it's, and so I just started thinking, okay, this is an important thing. 
what's the problem? The problem is people are brainwashed and conned into a system where they're handing over all of their control of their money and just smoking a bunch of hopium. That's their plan. Smoke hopium and then I'll wake up at 60 and everything is good. And people don't do that. So the alternative is, is the EQRP, which I created to give people a fighting chance where you can actually own your retirement, own your money, direct your money. And the bottom line is it gives you a checkbook to be able to invest, which is exciting for some people and scares the living bejesus out of a lot of other people because they go, I don't know anything about money. Well, of course you don't because the system doesn't want you to know anything. It wants to keep you enslaved. Well, yeah, you're either the borrower or the lender. It's much better to be the lender. Um, you know, and so what do you, so, so walk me through um, what's different about what you do with EQRP. And so it's in, you're, you're in the 401k space, right? And so you're dealing with money people have put aside for retirement, typically have put it into whatever their company's, you know, uh, 401k options are, which nobody really even understands. It's like, do you want international? Do you want, you know, some, you know, fund that says you can have your money in 2045, like, and no clue what it is, right? It just goes into a black hole. It's gone. And so walk me through what you do differently and how does it work? So it's a, it's a fundamental shift in philosophy to self-responsibility. And what that means is that instead of handing your money to a system, a mutual fund or a fidelity or a financial advisor and picking international funds, bond funds, any of these con games, you literally have your money, your retirement money inside a checkbook. And so you're, you have a checkbook, you're the signer. There's nobody else controlling your money. You want to invest in physical gold and silver, a startup company, you want to invest in an apartment. I mean, it's, it's really unlimited, which is really confusing to people because they go, I thought it had to be a mutual fund. And, and the reality is you can take all that money that you've been putting into 401ks and IRAs and actually have control of it. You can also say, look, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm making some money or I'm a doctor and I've got a tax problem. You can put 10 times more money into this than you could an IRA. And yet nobody tells you in the IRA industry that IRAs are a bad idea. But in general, IRAs are pretty bad for if you actually want to become free, financially free and not financially enslaved, IRAs are not going to do it. They just aren't. And, and so what we do different is give people all the control and the ability to do things that they never thought were even legal. How can you put uh, without, how do you get around the caps? What do you mean by that? So, so an IRA has a cap in, in terms of contributions. You can put 6,000 bucks into an IRA yeah. and with an EQRP, you can put 57,000 per person. So if you have spouses and kids, say there's four people, you could put almost a quarter million dollars into a plan per year. Do they and have be, to have uh, qualified income then as kids? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. I mean, this is one of the fun things you can hire kids and you can pay them and guess what? They're in their own tax bracket at zero taxes up to $12,000 in income and you get a tax deduction. So you hire your kids for things. And this is, it's one of those things that most people don't think about, but if you have a couple of kids, I know you've got some kids and, and if you hired your kids, I mean, Hey, there's 20 plus thousand a year that's taken off of your taxable income can be given to your kids as income for bona fide work. And then guess what you could do? You could put that into a Roth EQRP where you're teaching them how to grow money tax-free for life. So teaching kids how to be tax-free, like we've been, we've been brainwashed into thinking it's patriotic to pay taxes. No, it's not. It's patriotic to go create jobs, to create housing. And the tax code says, if you do these things, you get tax deductions and you get tax write-offs. Why? Because the government needs us to do these things. So if you're going over there and using the Roth EQRP for your kids, the government says, this is a good thing. And guess what? Your kids are learning how to not pay taxes and to create stability in a system that needs it because the government can't take care of people. So there's a lot of 
things that are just sitting there right in front of people and they're not even, they don't even, they're not aware of it, but why, you know, why are you paying all these taxes? Cause you just don't know better. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's the game, right? They made, and the rule book is very thick. Um, but there's some basic principles, a lot like personal finance and without getting into, you know, all of that. But I, I love the idea of hiring your kids. I love the idea that because they are rich, but they're, you know, rich with a different asset, which is time. And if you have enough time, it takes very little money to be financially free, right? Because of compounding and those kinds of things. And so, um, with an EQRP, you mentioned there's a Roth version of this as well. Yeah, so the Roth is built into the EQRP, so you have both tax-deferred and Roth, so you can do whatever you want. You could have money go that goes in where you get a tax deduction, or you could put money that goes in where you, you pay taxes today and then never again. You can also put money that's tax-deferred, like typical 401ks, take that, put it into an EQRP, and then convert it to Roth. And there are ways to do that where you convert it and you don't pay taxes. It's, here's here's the, the bottom line with all this you can have a ton of money going into a tax shelter and never have it taxed. Just point blank. There's, you just have to understand all the rules and have a team. So what Cody, what people do is they go to the internet and then they say, Oh, Google told me. And I go, stop listening to your moronic uncle, Google. Like that's stupid because everybody's got an opinion and it's all in black and white on the internet. And therefore it must be true. I'm like, that's mostly nonsense. I have attorneys and accountants that have blogs and I'm like, you're literally, that's wrong. It's not the tax code. And, and people have opinions and they're selling a lot of nonsense and they have a really snappy website. So people say it must be legitimate. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's BS. So I just, we, we've got to be really careful. And how do, you, how do you be careful? Make sure you have a really great team and probably expand or upgrade your team is a really important concept for many people listening. Yeah, I, have, uh, I learned that lesson um, early. Well, not early. I learned it late, uh, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Uh, was that you know you've got you've got different competing uh, professionals that you need to surround yourself with and take all of their advice. So you need a banker, an attorney, an insurance guy, you know, and, and, and an accountant, and they all have different competing you know the results that they want to get for you because they don't play well together. But if you can mix those things up, it's the money that I have spent on those people because I wanted some of the best. I, I wanted the best I could find has multiplied a million times over like that cost never even it's a drop in the bucket to what they've saved me from and what they've helped me develop and you know I don't even know what they've all saved me from I just know they have because when I started getting really good people around me I stopped having problems that I had before I had really good people around me <laughs> you, you know why people don't have great people around them why they have they have people that aren't don't help them or nobody around them because they're freaking cheap scarcity people are mentality. cheap and it's, it's scarcity totally mentality. scarcity Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you're going to pay for things one way or another. One, you're going to pay and you're going to be broke the whole, your whole life because you're not actually going to have great advice around you. Or you're, you're going to pay for cheap team members or people. And it's going to cost you a fortune in the long term because you're going to have bad advice that you're building whatever it is with. And so you get sued and you were your own attorney or you had a cheap attorney. And so you're going to pay 10 times more than if you invested up front. I just see this as people being incredibly cheap. They, they say, well, I'm frugal. I'm like, no, you're cheap. You, you, you think you can do everything yourself because you're smart, which makes you an idiot. And I, I just, it's people, it's the opposite of what people believe. And a lot of that has to do with what you just said. It's scarcity. So you have to, how do you get out of scarcity? The tactic is you start practicing the idea of abundance. What's the easiest way to do that? Give money away. Just start giving it away. Go find ways and you go, well, I can't, okay, I, I, I give money away. I give you know, $5. I'm like, no, if you make $100,000, go hand somebody a thousand bucks. And if that makes you 
You're like, that's nothing. Great. Go hand somebody $10,000. Give it away. It'll open up your heart and your soul to a whole world of abundance. And people go, I can't, no, I can't do that. I'm like, well, when are you going to do it? When I make a million dollars? And I go, no, you won't. Because it's a lot harder to give $100,000 away than it is 10000 It shifts everything spiritually where there's more of an abundance aura, if you will, around you. And you'll see things differently. But you have to practice it. You can't do that in your head. It does not work. Yeah, you know, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in how powerful words are, um, especially in my own mentality, right? And so when you hear someone say, I can't do that, it's I won't do that, right? And so if you, when I say I can't, you know, I can't do that. I can't give $1,000 away. You know, I'll do it when I'm a millionaire. You're, you're literally letting yourself off the hook. It's an excuse driven built, you know, built in there where you say, if I can't, then it's not my fault. I didn't make that choice, right? It's not my, <laughs> and so we, we deal with those things quite a bit here in my household, you know, where I, and I've catch myself and I, and it's one of the things that I really learned about the paradigm of things was that the way that I speak about my, my choices get, take away my control, right? And especially, so I try to do that with my kids quite a bit. Um, you know, they get a little irritated because, you know, they're little and they roll their eyes at me and whatever. But I, it's one thing that I've wanted to pass through to my kids was that when I realized that I had the control to those things, that the decision making that I needed to do was in my wheelhouse. Right. And if I chose not to do something, then I needed to own that. And that was kind of a lot of things. I got that through the lessons that we kind of mentioned in the very beginning. Right. My failures weren't my fault until I realized they were all my fault. <laughs> and then it, once I had control of that, I was able to build and take control of the things like I was looking forward to when I was going to have those opportunities, those failures. And it really changed my whole paradigm, the way I looked at the world. There, there's something that's powerful about the, the idea of your failures. When I was working and, and teaching with Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he, he said something to a few of us and he said, look, you guys, wealth is not what you think it is. Wealth is not the cash. It's not your cash flow. It's not your assets. He said, he said wealth is, is the experiences. I go, I must be a billionaire. I'm like richer than Jeff Bezos because I've gone through everything. And, and people don't get that. They go, if I can just figure out how to make 14% or if I can just get this job and make enough money, but you're missing the whole point. You're not getting wealthy. In fact, what's scary is that when somebody gets to a point where they've built up a big 401k or something and they have this cash and, they're, and they say, okay, I'm good, but they don't have any muscle. They don't have any experience. And so I've had plenty of people come to me that had a couple million dollars and I've watched repeatedly, they're 50, 55 years old, a couple million dollars, and they start investing with no experience and they go to zero in a matter of two or three years. It's because they haven't, they're not really wealthy, they're actually poor. And, they're, and then they get reckless because they're getting anxious. And so this is the, the problem with just jumping in and becoming an investor because you happen to have money. It's, you're, you don't have any muscle. Like you're, you can't just go be an ultra marathoner the first time you step foot in a pair of sneakers. Like you have to actually train. And that's the same thing with money, 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, just uh, 100%, as you just kind of mentioned. Um, but it's, it's uh, I also think there's something to the movement that you need to have, that there's not a goal at the end. Like, it's like, okay, I, and for some reason, I mean, I guess it's just because it's a round number and it's a kind of a, a target for people that go, I want to have a million bucks. And I'm like, all right, what if I give it to you tomorrow? Like how long, what would you do? All right. And first things are like, Oh, I'd quit my job. And I'm like, you'd be broke in a year. Right. I'm like, no way. I'm like, yes way. And they're like, I'd, what would you do? I would buy this. I'd buy that. I'd buy this. I'd buy that. I'm like, you're done. 
right? Because they haven't built that mentality. So if you're not good with a thousand dollars, you're not good with ten thousand dollars, you're not good with ten thousand dollars, you're not good with a million dollars. Like there's you you have to kind of and keep learning. You know, the my I think one of the biggest mistakes that people can make is that they stop learning at 12th grade, right? They just assume like, oh, I've been I've been schooled, so I'm really set with everything, right? And that ability to go out and try and learn and get that real life experience is invaluable to what you're making an investment in yourself and you're having those experiences. And I think that's kind of what, what, you know, what you were kind of getting at there with like what Robert was saying, like, that's your wealth is that you've gone out, you've tried, you've done, you've learned, you've, so what I could be, you know, I, I know this, like if I was stripped of everything and you said, okay, I want you to go run this business and I know nothing about it. I've been through 14 of them. I've been in thousands of them they're not complicated. Once you know the, once you, once you see the mechanics, you know how to assess kind of like you talked about, right. In the, in the, in your training, like you're assessing strengths, cores, where the friction is, where our main core competency is, what are we going to do better than anybody else? Where do we make our most money? What do we do that doesn't make us money? Let's get rid of that. Like, and you know, you can just streamline those things. And that's, I, I, I think it's such a cool perspective for you being an entrepreneur and having opening to all these businesses that you deal in the retirement space. <laughs> like, like the kind of the irony there is, is just kind of, is, is kind of funny for me. And uh, I wonder if you've ever thought about it that way. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's really interesting um, when you were talking about that. One of the things that makes me think about is how we tend to abdicate responsibility. We, when you're talking about, when you come into people's businesses, I was just talking with a friend of mine I've known since he was our age, you know, around 40. And now he's in his early 60s, really great guy. And he's he's building a business. And he's always been good at sales. And yet he's sitting there and has no idea what's actually happening. And I said, Well, let's look at your financials. And there's like, in a business, if you have inventory, there's something called cost of goods, where you have to account for it. And there's no there's no actual inventory numbers. And I thought, Okay, that's really weird. You have no cost of goods. And, and there, was a, there was a contract that he sent over and he said, would you mind taking a look at this for some marketing that this company wants to do? He goes, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but will you let me know what you think? And I'm going, you're literally not paying attention to your business. And it's the same thing with retirement. People aren't paying attention. They just hope it'll magically happen for them. And it is a process. It's, yeah. I, I, I laugh at how much I thought I knew when I was 20. And I'll probably do the same thing when I'm 60. I'll go, man, I thought a lot. I, I wrote 12 books and I knew something. But we just... We keep growing and that's that's the fun part cody it's 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 growing through the entire process instead of being afraid of it it's like what else am i going to learn that i didn't know or thought some other thing but now i'm realizing it's different it's because we're willing to open and and expand and stretch that's the key yeah that's one of the reasons i love youtube university right because i i try things like that i resealed my driveway recently and i had no i've never done anything like that in the world right and i was like i'm gonna go try this you know and it's like it's a lot of fun and i think that you got to challenge yourself and i think that you know kind of one of the things you just mentioned about like it's not going to magically happen but i think what's really surprising for people is as I walked into a bunch of businesses in 08, 09, and 10, I was a commercial banker. Like I could tell almost instantly whether the loans that we had on the books for those businesses were going to be good or bad because the same question that you just asked, right? Like, let me see your financials. Like, oh, uh, let me message the accountant and then I'll get them to you. Like, what do you want to see? I'm like, what do you look at? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was my first question. I'm like, oh God. Like, I'm like, and then I knew immediately or, or I was like, uh, how are you doing this month or the last month? They're like, good. I'm like, what does that mean? Like business is good. And I kind of, I kind of had this piece inside of me that I, I think about kind of like a, almost like a Chappelle show type of, 
uh, context where like, if you really went to one of those like, uh, what do they call them? The chamber of commerce meetings, right? Where everybody's there just like giving business cards to each other. Like, have you ever heard anybody in one of those meetings be like, I am struggling with trying to keep track of my inventory and I don't know where my financials are. Like everybody is always just like, oh, business is great. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's that honesty. Collective delusion. Yeah. That honesty. That's like, like, could you imagine like if they all had to take a truth serum and then walked into one of those chamber of commerce meetings where there's like 40 entrepreneurs and nobody knows what they're doing. Right. Because we're all trying to figure it out. <laughs> You realize that as you get older too, in general, you're like, I just like, you're always learning. And especially as an entrepreneur, you, you're constantly figuring things out. I think the more you do that, the more you, it's easier to look around and go, nobody knows what they're doing. They're just, they're figuring <laughs> it out. Me. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a little <laughs> scary thinking about that with like a neuro, a neurosurgeon. You're like, I hope this person's not figuring it out on my brain. But I mean, the truth is we're always, we're always learning. And yeah, most, most businesses, they, they simply run from their glands you know, fear and greed and, and, and the cash register. It's really scary how common that is. They don't really know what's going on. They it's just the same go, thing oh. about talking to our kids about money, right? Like if I'm in a very bad financial situation and my kid is catching all the stuff that I'm doing, I don't want to talk to him about it because I put myself in a bad situation. What in the world do you think their life's going to be like? Like the, the percentages of them falling straight through to your footsteps is, is astronomical, right? And this what the last thing that you want, but your fear of telling them that you screwed up or that you were honest about it, or we're going to rewrite our money story starting now, all the previous chapters have been written, but the ending is mine, right? And that's your control piece. Like you've got to be able to do that. And I see business owners do that more than anybody, right? Entrepreneurs are just like, and it's really kind of crazy because I'll offer to help people and it's just for fun because I like to talk about businesses and help people. And, uh, and they'll, they'll contact me and say, well, and I'll start peeling these onions back. And it's almost like they get that relief. Like somebody's going to hold my hand to look at my business with me and I'm not doing anything amazing, but it's just looking at it. Right. And that honesty, that, that moment to say, well, if somebody else will look at it with me, then I'll look at it. And it's, it's really kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty crazy scenario, you know? It, it, we, there's, there's a, there's a saying wherever it came from, the truth will set you free. I just watched liar, liar. And so I was, he, it, it was one of the lines in the movie. I don't think most of us want to look at financials. We don't want to look at stuff. We don't want to share with our kids what's really going on. And yet that's what sets you free. And as a parent, one of the things that I, uh, as a kid, cause I, was, I haven't been a parent yet, but the, when, when you think about what you learn from your parents, you just, you, you tend to model. And so if they're not open and they're not in a learning space why would you necessarily do anything different? And so you tend to repeat the cycle around money. And so being vulnerable with, with kids, I think, I think kids are smart and being like, I remember the message my, I got from my dad was we don't have any money. In fact, here's how much we have coming in and guess what? There's not even enough for the house payment. So how are we supposed to afford food? This is like when I'm asking for school clothes. And I just remember, wow, that lesson was scarcity. And it was to him telling me why we didn't have any money instead of saying, I'm working on something to create this wealth. Yeah. Totally different mindset, different energy. It was to beat me into submission mentally and, and spiritually. And that's what people do. They just, they say, here's my excuse. And like you said earlier, the words matter. And you got to be really ought to be very mindful of the words, especially with kids, because they will just, they'll parrot it. I mean, you know, this parents know this kids yeah. just be like, where'd you hear that? Well, from you, mom, dad, like <laughs> comes out of your mouth. It's going to go into theirs. So it's like the Christmas story, right? When he was like, 
fudge exactly <laughs> and he's like and he tells and he tells on the other kid but it, <laughs> but um you know and it is it's a and and i think the thing is is like one is like being able to realize why you have your money story is one thing right so like you mentioned with your parents like that that mentality like i i really just i don't know load the words like i can't we can't afford it right say no we're not buying that or if you want that, this is what it's going to take to afford that. Like you, there's such a different mentality shift, you know? And like, I, I, I you know, I, I can go back to the regular, which is how do I afford it? Right. Which is kind of like that mentality shift. But I, I really like the idea to say, Hey, listen, this is what it takes to afford it. Are you willing to do that? Do yeah, you want to work for 24 hours or 29 hours at $15 an hour so that you can buy this one thing? Like, are you willing to trade 29 hours of hard work for this thing? And if you think about it in those kind of terms, a lot of times it's like, I don't really want that that bad. <laughs> Nobody know? asked me that question when I went out and bought a quarter million dollar Ferrari. So that would have been a really good question before doing something that dumb. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and granted, it was a great experience uh, that I don't need to do twice. But it's, it, it really is putting it in perspective. I think we don't want to disappoint people too. Like when we're being sold by a salesperson or our spouse or our kids, we don't want to let people down. So we tend to give in or in, instead of saying, do does this actually fit me? Does it fit our family? Is it, is it in alignment with our values? Is, is a boat, is getting a boat in alignment? Well, just to have a boat or is it the experiences? Like really asking better questions is what, that's the shift. It's asking better questions. Yeah. And I think it's a full tactic to do that is to take time and don't be impulsive when you do things. Right. Yeah, good luck in today's society. I mean, impulsive <laughs> is like in every direction. We're, we're in a FOMO state of, of mind. We're, we're afraid of missing out on everything because we're paying attention to everybody's highlight reels on their social media. And we think, oh, my life is so lacking. Gosh, you want to do something for your mental health? Turn off the social media feeds because it's all you're doing is saying, I need to have more of everything. And it, it all it does is burn you out. I mean, on every level. Yeah, I don't know if you've watched the uh, is it what is it called the the social effect? It's on it's on Netflix. Social dilemma. Social dilemma. Uh huh. And I mean, I think we all kind of knew what was going on. You know, we all had a suspicion, but to watch the guys who actually wrote the code go, I wouldn't let my kids near this. And you're going, wait a minute, these are the guys that made all the millions and billions off of this thing, and they're scared of it. They wrote it. (laughs) <laughs> why, do, why do you think Mark Zuckerberg looks so guilty every time he's in front of Congress? And when he, he's asked a question and he kind of stammers and hems and haws because he knows that their system is screwing people out of a lot of things. And, it's, and this idea of connecting people and keeping up with your friends and whatever, it has morphed into a place where we're being harvested. And I, if, if you're not conscious to that, then it's, you're, you're basically in the matrix. That's so funny you bring that up because there's, I, I honestly felt, so I, we talked to kind of off bond about rich dad, poor dad. Right. And so, and I told you it comes up, like, it's crazy. Like nine out of 10 times I talk to people that's that as they're high, high achievers and successful you know people they are like, yeah, they credit some of it to that book. And I listened to that book again at probably 36 or so. And I was getting ready to try and sell my companies and stuff. And when I was listening to it, I got to the second part about the taxes, you know, the end of the book when he starts talking about taxes. And I literally had this image in my head of when Neo sits up in the matrix and takes that thing out of the back of his head and he pulls it off and he looks around and he's like, we're all freaking batteries. Right. And then they shoot him down the tube. And then that's how he, like he, he has this moment of clarity of like, Whoa, we're all just this cog in the machine of batteries. And he's like, it is no, you know, and he, and he has that realization. I felt that way again when I read that book again. And I just, uh, it was so eye opening 
to think that you can go in the other direction, right? And you, and, 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 and if you want my advice, you should go in the other direction. You should go against the, you know, you don't have to worry about it for your retirement. It'll figure itself out. You need to, you know, you need to be able to somebody that goes and talks about money. You want to go ask, you want to learn how to run a business, go ask a business owner how it works. Right. And ask them to volunteer or spend some time or help them out or do whatever. If you want to get into a business, if you want to get into a, you know, car wash business, go ask guy who owns a car wash. If you can hang out with them for a while, right? Like go against the grain, go outside of the norm and step outside of your comfort zone. If you want to do those things. You, you really, it, this comes down to where, where you're getting your advice, where you're getting your, your tactics. I think it's very disingenuous for somebody like Dave Ramsey to talk to people when Dave Ramsey has a $100 million operation and tell them, here's the key, you know, cut up your credit cards or just get out of debt. The reality is, if you understand how money works and you actually study it, you understand the power of debt. If you're basically going to be a zombie, then run away. So he's, is, what is he doing? Is he teaching zombies? And I think people say, I love Peace University. And I go, yeah, but it's, it's, not, it's not the full picture. Like, it's yeah. a step. And that's it's the, the first. Process. Yeah, to me, it's like, it's almost like it's, um, you know, I, I went through Dave Ramsey stuff when I was way in the hole. I mean, it was, it helped me in the fact that like, I learned about what was called, I didn't like the anxiety more than I liked the things that I was buying. That's what it really breaks down to, right? Like the debt was anxiety to me. And at one point I was so far in the hole, I couldn't have any credit cards, right? They wouldn't give me one, <laughs> right? I, was, I went from a, uh, you know, a 750 credit score to a sub 500, you know what I mean? And so all the credit cards went into collections and all that fun stuff. And I dealt with all that. And I learned a lot about how credit cards work by that force. And so I was almost like thrown through Financial Peace University, like <laughs> with, with no option, right? And so... Um, I, I really, I like the fact of teaching people, like if, they, if he can get people to have that realization that like the stress it's going to put in my family is not worth what the little trinket thing it is that I want to buy, whatever the widget is. Right. But again, there's another side of that. Like you're talking about, like with debt, like I've had massive leaps and bounds due to debt, you know, and, and that's where I, I, it, I do think it's a little disingenuous because it gives you an example. Once you say, oh, I've got financial peace, now I'm done. And it gives me the, gives me the, the excuse to get off the, 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 you know, to stop learning, right? I, there's a funny story that I, um, from years ago, there was a gal that was one of the students in my, my real estate uh, course that I was one of the teachers for. And, and she, she was a highly paid executive, early 20s at Chevron. And she, her goal is to go buy some real estate. So she, she called me like six months later. I was heading out to Alabama where I was doing some business. And I met up with her and she told me how she was financially free. And I said, that's amazing. Six months, you're free. She goes, absolutely. I go, are you still working for Chevron? She goes, nope, not working for the job. I'm free. I go, okay, so tell me what, tell me, tell me what it looks like. She goes, well, I, I left Chevron. I took my, my 401k and my savings and I bought a rental house and I moved back in with my parents. And so I've got $1,200 a month that's coming in for my free and clear house and I'm done. And I said, you're done. You're basically going to be in poverty living with your parents. And I, I just, it was funny because for her that she was done, done. Like that, to me, that was just a step. It was like, okay, cool. You grounded. Now you're not having to go out and work. You can actually work to learn or you could spend time studying. And I just, I, I was laughing. I'm like, you have some really bad mentors. She's like, wait, mentors, what's that? And I'm like, exactly. 
So that was one of the problems. <laughs> well, um, I, mean, I think you and I could probably talk for another couple hours, but um, we've got to wrap this up. And so I want, uh, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, um, you know, where is the best place that they should find out to reach out with you? Um, and I'll put some links in the show notes as well for us. But, um, you know, just from you, like what, what do you recommend for people to, uh, that you've got such a big array of things? Where should they start? I think that the most powerful thing is to make sure that you take your retirement and get it, get clear on what you're doing. And how do you do that? You understand what your options are. So everybody's got a phone, even homeless people have cell phones somehow, you know, so take your phone and just text the word EQRP to 72,000 and you'll get a copy of the condensed version of what the EQRP is for you or for somebody else. Because if somebody else, you know, and who doesn't know somebody that's retiring or has retired or switched jobs, what, what you're doing is you're empowering them with information on how they can control their, their financial future versus just hoping and praying. Like those are all good, but you actually have to take the action. That's part of the formula. So really simple. Your action right now is to text the word EQRP to 72,000, get a copy of the report and then share it. I mean, text yep. it to other people and give it to them. I mean, that's, that's part of being a, a good steward or a good, good uh, member of society is sharing and not feeling like you need to hoard information because it just, it just makes everybody better and safer and stronger and happier when you're sharing together. I would even wrap it up to where I would tell you that to read through it and then go through it with your kids, you know, for this totally. show, because it's, it's, it'll be something to at least have that conversation starter where you can now, they can think about those things and just learn about it. Cause you'd be amazed at how, how much you actually know that you could pass on that you think you don't know. And so, and if you don't know something, learn it together because you're going to get a different perspective out of them and probably a more honest one to be straightforward about it. Right. Cause they don't totally have agree. any, they have no chill. So, <laughs> but, um, well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on with me and, uh, and we'll, we'll get uh, onto the high impact series here shortly, but I really will appreciate you coming on and the work that you're doing out there to help people, um, just learning, you know, and putting that information out there that there are options that it's not just one thing. It's just a marketing machine. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker. <laughs>